I was not ready. Too busy chatting. I get in trouble for it, but hey. Some of y'all will sneak out so quick at the end, there's no way I'd ever get to see you. So, I'm glad you're here. Because to me, that's part of what this is about. It's community. We're, we're the body of Christ. And I, I, you know, I love getting to talk to you and see you. And uh, I, this, is, this is what heaven's going to be about. It's going to be great community and fellowship. So I'm glad you're here today. So we're talking uh, in this series, Changes and Changeless Change. Is Hunter in here? Did I lose him? Okay, so I was going to introduce Hunter to you, but uh, forget that. There he is. There's Hunter. So this is Hunter. Hunter, come over to the front so I can see you. Now, they did see you playing the keyboard. So Hunter, uh, since Tim is moving uh, and doing worship now and youth, Hunter is, is coming alongside Tim, and he is going to be, he's, he's like Tim's youth assistant pastor, pastor, and he's also helping, he's, you can see he played the keyboards, he's also a very gifted musician, he's helping us on the worship team, so he's a, a part of the team, we're glad to have him, thank you, I'm spitting all over the place, I'm glad you were at a distance, I would have spit on you. There's problems with the lights. You can see that, you know. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> here I am. Glad you're here. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're looking in these last couple of weeks. We're talking about this series is changes it change until it's changed. We're talking today about the peace of Jesus, what that means. We're looking at the difference between moral reformation and where the will is restrained, where we're trying to change by doing better, trying harder, and true spiritual transformation where we're changed from the, the heart. When the Bible talks about the heart uh, and the Bible talks about the mind, it's, it's very kind of the same thing, the, the heart, the, not only how you think, but how you feel, your mind, will, and emotions. So the transformation of our hearts, the transformation of our minds uh, so that we're truly changed. It's not just reformation. It's just not, you know, pressure from the outside. In moral reformation, you can be honest, but you're honest either out of fear, I don't want to get caught, or out of pride. A lot of times we find that those of us in church are doing things because we, we do it out of an attitude, well, I'm better than those sinners out there. Uh, but we're not. <laughs> it's just by grace that we're saved. It's kind of like I'm, I'm glad I'm not like those liars and cheaters. Uh, spiritual transformation is different. It comes from the transformation of the heart. So we've been learning how this works. It doesn't just come from looking at the law. It comes from looking at the lawgiver. It comes from looking at the fulfiller of the law. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that we don't do the law. We do. We, we're, we're, we don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't steal. We don't commit adultery. We don't murder. We honor our parents. It, we, it doesn't, it's not that we don't keep the law. We do keep the law, but it's fulfilled in Christ, and we don't keep it from an external ought, but from an internal joy yes. of the Spirit motivating us and changing us from the inside out. Because the role of the Holy Spirit, we've been talking about these last weeks, is to make Christ real to us. What the Holy Spirit does is he takes what is Jesus 
And what is the Father's? And he gives it to us. He makes it real to us so we, we understand it. So today, we're doing this by looking at the fruit of the Spirit and how it works in the life. They're not individual fruits. A lot of times we think of, you know, I need to have more love. You know, I'm, I'm a little low on patience. Who's not low on patience, right? So we think of it as individual fruits, but it's not. It is a fruit. It is a singular fruit. And a lot of times what we think is fruit of the Spirit in us is actually a manifestation of our own personality characteristics. So the areas that we're lacking, we think, well, you know, I'm just not that way. Well, we're not that way in the flesh, but we are that way in the Spirit. So we're looking at transformation. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. So today we're going to talk about peace and how this relates to forgiveness. Uh, the word peace means harmonious relations and freedom from dispute. So you think about peace is not, there's a lack of conflict in relationships with other people. It's also a state of peace that is a blessing or favor from God. It's a, Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give with you. Not as the world gives, neither can the world take it away. And number three, it's also the absence of mental stress or anxiety, especially that results from a proper recognition of salvation's worth. So if we understand who we are in Christ, it takes a lot of our worry and fear away. If we understand our, our position who he is to us, who we are to him. If we understand Christ, what he did for us, we understand what that means to us, and that takes away a lot of anxiety and fear. So today I want to talk about how the peace of Jesus means forgiveness. So you're not going to like me when we're done with this because this is, this is not fun because most of us have people we need to forgive, but we don't want to because we somehow feel like forgiving them is letting them off the hook. And so we don't want to let them off the hook. So we're going to talk about this today. The forgiveness that Christ gives to us puts us in right relationship with God. So because we're forgiven, now we can be in right relationship with God because what Jesus did in redeeming us, paying the price for our salvation, now we can be in right relationship with God. Then that forgiveness that Christ gives us, then out of that, he wants us to be in right relationship with each other. As we've been forgiven, as we've had peace with God, now he wants us to have peace with each other. Ephesians 1.7 in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. To forgive the way Jesus taught us to forgive, he cries out from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. This became the, the cry of the early church. They were trying to learn how to forgive the way Jesus forgave. They tried to put in practice. So we're going to talk about that. The practice of forgiveness. How do we put forgiveness into practice? So in Luke chapter 17, Jesus said, verse 3, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now the average person thinks this, I'm mad because I've been hurt, wounded, betrayed, whatever. 
And I'm trying to stop being mad, but I can't. And we think of that as forgiveness. To stop being mad is not really forgiveness. The practice of forgiveness is that there is a, there's an aim to forgiveness. And there's a purpose to forgiveness. Listen to what it says. Luke 17, 3 again. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. There's two parts to forgiveness. It's rebuking with the aim of forgiveness. Rebuking and forgiving go together. Jesus put them together. Rebuke and forgive. If you rebuke, but you don't have a forgiving spirit, you're not really trying to rebuke, you're trying to punish. If, and if on the other hand, you say, I forgive, but you're unwilling to rebuke, you're not really loving that person, you are trying to get a, you're trying to get a lack of trouble. In other words, you're trying to make it easier on yourself. You're trying to get peace for yourself. It actually seems generous, but it's selfish. What Jesus is doing by putting rebuking and forgiving together, he's unmasking our motivation. He's showing us what our motivation is. Some would say, you know, I'm not like those cowards. I speak out. And it's good to speak out. But if your rebuke never leads to softening and repentance, but almost always just gets them more angry, then you're not really rebuking the way Jesus is talking about there are others that say, I'm not one of those who fight, have to fight every battle with everyone. I'm a peacemaker. I keep my mouth shut. The person who keeps their mouth shut and never confronts just lets the person go on sinning. Then your real goal is not love. It's your own selfish peace. So that's not the aim. The real aim of forgiveness is to stop the spread of wrong and evil. In other words, I don't want it to spread in their life because I found that if it spreads in their life, it will, may spread in my life or the lives of other people around me. We even catch really the essence of this. Paul is talking about this in Galatians 6.1. And he's talking about this rebuke and forgiveness principle. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one with a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. The goal of forgiveness is restoration of the person and the relationship. So it's, it's a rebuke. The aim is a rebuke with forgiveness, but it's not a rebuke that's angry and vengeful or spiteful. Paul tells us it's going to be gentle. So a rebuke that's gentle. And a lot of times that's hard for us because we, when we do get to the place where we want to rebuke somebody, we do it out of anger, right? Anybody ever do that? Just Tina? I mean, just me? Uh, I mean, we all do that. Or do we get to a, we put up, you ever put up with something for a long time and then you're like, like, you know, Katie Kaboom, if you remember that old cartoon character. So forgiveness is not just an aim. It, 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 that's, where we're, that's where we're going to direct ourselves, but it's an action. Most people think, most of us think, that forgiveness is a feeling that leads to an action, but Jesus is telling us that it's an action that leads to a feeling. So we're going to forgive before we feel like it. We're going to forgive before we want to. 
We're going to forgive because our Savior and Lord has told us to. If he sins against you, verse 4, seven times a day and returns to you seven times a day saying, I repent, forgive him. Now, that kind of forgiveness has nothing to do with a person's performance because you've just seen that they have not been, they've asked for forgiveness seven times. Another place Jesus says seven times 70. And we think, <laughs> how can I forgive twice? And this is, this is talking about a day. So what, he's telling us something here. He's saying something. He's saying, uh, we're not, we don't have the opportunity to judge their sincerity or their motivation or, or if they really meant it. And that's, that's kind of the basis of how we want to forgive. Have you ever asked somebody for forgiveness and then later on they say, I, I don't think you meant it. It's like, I, what else did you need me to do? Cut myself or, you know, I, I meant it. But they didn't feel like the apology was sincere. You didn't say the right words. Actually, what he's saying here, if they repent, if they repent, forgive them. Even if they've said already six times that day, I'm sorry, you have no way of knowing the motivation of their heart. And this is where this is tough. Okay? Did they mean it? Did they, they mean it this time? Did they mean it the first six times? Here's, here's what Jesus is saying. When they say, I'm sorry, you have to take it at face value every time. Because you don't know that this isn't the time. I mean... Has anybody here ever said to the Lord, I'm sorry? Anybody here ever said, Lord, I'm sorry, and then sinned again? Anybody here? Just Larry Tereshita. Uh, and I knew that. I'd written that down in my notes. Uh, Larry will raise his hand. Uh, no, all of us. All of us received amazing, that's why we called it amazing grace. It's not just amazing grace that saves us. It's amazing grace that keeps us. It's lavish grace. It's, it's unbelievable justice that God doesn't give us what we deserve, but he gives us what we deserve in Christ. So what forgive means in this passage uh, is the word ephemi. And the word means to leave or to forgive. To remain to be left or left over of persons, questions, problems, among other things, not used up. To, it's, in other words, it's not used up. To leave behind, to depart, not take along, either intentionally or by neglect or forgetfulness. Now, can you say that would apply to forgiveness? He said, so this word forgiveness is a femi. Now, this is used a couple other places in the Bible, and this is one of the great places where it's used. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, he said, Ephemi, let it be so for now. Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all unrighteousness. Then he consented, same word again, Ephemi. So he said, listen, John, because do it, even though you don't understand it, 
and you don't like it, let it be for now. Just do it. So John is, you know, John is the one who said of Jesus, there's one coming whose sandals I am unworthy to unlatch. And then when he shows up, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when he shows up, you know, Jesus is the newbie. John's been doing this. Jesus is the newbie. He tells John to baptize him. John is like, well, hey, uh, this is my area. Uh, I'm the baptizer. And it doesn't look right for you to be baptized like everybody else. And Jesus says, let it be so for now. Just let it happen, John. And John, let it happen. Just let it happen. Let it, so how do you forgive? Well, you got to let it happen. Let it be so. Let it be done. Because, why? Because Jesus just told you. <laughs> why, John, why did John need to baptize Jesus? Because Jesus told him to. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He had the right and authority to do it. Now, another great example of this is in Matthew chapter 18. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents, a talent was equal to 20 years of labor. So a talent, one talent is equal to day's wages for 20 years. So this, this servant owes him 20 years times 10,000. Now, I think what Jesus is saying here, it's an unpayable amount. There's no way he can ever pay it back. So a man who owed 10,000 talents was brought to him, but since he did not have the means to pay, to repay, of course, nobody would. The Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and his children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. Now, <laughs> which was impossible. The best intentions in the world, even if his wife and all of his kids, they're all labor the rest of their lives to pay off this debt, they're just gonna pay just a fraction of it, just a tiny bit of it would be paid. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. So he ephemied it. He, he, he let it be for now. He kept it. He had it, but he had assumed it. So who took the debt? He did. Who who? <laughs> Who had the obligation? Now he had it. So all the weight of that, he took it off of the servant, he ephemed it, and he took it on himself. So how do you forgive? Well, first you have to assess how much the person has robbed you. I mean, so we know he owed a great debt. He didn't say, oh, it's nothing. Right? He owed him 10,000 talents. He didn't try to minimize what he owed or what had happened. He, they, you know, they, they're like, hey, we've been counting this up. This is what he owes. It's an unbelievable amount. So whenever somebody, whenever there's unforgiveness and there's that kind of situation, you feel like you've been robbed. When you've been hurt, 
When someone has wounded you, whenever someone wrongs you, they rob you. They've robbed you of maybe reaching a particular goal. They've robbed you of joy that you would have had. So we were, the church was uh, burglarized November of 18. Oh gosh, that was such a pain. Because not, they stole all the computers. And uh, so they stole all the computers and all kinds of other stuff, musical instruments. They just created a crisis that was hard to undo. It took months. And then they tried with the information that they were able to steal off the computers, then they tried to blackmail us. That if we didn't pay them $10,000 in Bitcoin, they communicated with us, that they would they would take down everything. And they tried. They, they got control of the website. They, they were, it was like, they, they, you know, everywhere, like if, where we had gone in and charged something, like at christianbooks.com, where we bought the books that we give away, every, they went in and charged $1,000 worth of books and just had them shipped randomly. We were fortunate that Christian Books, like, you know, y'all have never bought this many books. This is unusual. And so we're able to stop it. And, and it was by the grace of God, we were able to just get like a second ahead of them and stop virtually everything that they were trying to do. But it was a battle. So the, when you're robbed, it's devastating. And then it makes you, then how you relate to circumstances uh, changes. Uh, maybe they've robbed you of joy. They've robbed you of reputation. Uh, but you have to be willing to assess the debt. You have to be willing to, what, you know, what happened. For too many of us as Christians, we try to convince ourselves it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It didn't really hurt me that much. I wasn't really robbed. That's not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. You're just trying to you're just trying to push it away just so you don't have to deal with it. You have to assess the debt, and then he assumed the debt. He assumed it. If you wait for them to make payments on the debt, what, what if he had started making payments? When would he was going to be done? In about 20,000 years. He was never going to get it paid. So... When they start making payments, your anger just grows because it's not enough and because the, de- the debt's unpayable. He, he could have never earned enough in his life to be free from the debt. But if you make the payments yourself, if you assume the debt, the debt is eventually paid off because you let it go. If you want to forgive, you have to refuse to take payments. How do you take payments? Well, in your relationship with the offender, the person that's offended you, uh, when you're with that person, you let them know that you're offended. In other words, you're cold towards them. Uh, You're distant. You ignore them. Maybe you just, you know, they may be sitting across from you in church, but you still, you know, you can create enough distance to, you know, that you can ignore them. Uh, You may actively try to hurt them. You may say things that are damaging about them. 
So we, we're taking payments when we do that. In your relationship with others, you gossip about them uh, or you tell the truth about them. <laughs> Sometimes it, it's not necessarily God. You say, well, it's not gossip, it's the truth. Yes, but the goal was, the goal that we have is that we're trying to hurt them. It's, it, may be, it may very well be the truth. So, and often we share our hurts. We want everybody to know we, we want to share our hurts. So when you share your hurts, you're taking payments. So you have to be careful about taking payments. In relationship with others, in relationship to our own heart, uh, we, we like to see them fail or have pain or difficulty or distress. So when they go through something difficult, maybe something doesn't work out the way they, want, they would have wanted to work out, we kind of get a little, little joy out of that. You never do that. I know this is other people that attend other churches. Uh, but isn't this true? There's, some, there's something that delights within us when someone who's wounded us does something, something hurts them, then we delight in that. That's not forgiveness. And that's what the Lord calls us to. We root, we're inside rooting for that person to fail. That's taking payments. How do you make payments? Well, <laughs> forgiveness is a refusal to take payments. Even though I'm angry, I refuse to take payments. I refuse to treat them that way. I refuse to talk about them that way. I refuse to think about them that way. It's a, you see, there's an aim of forgiveness. There's an action of forgiveness. Jesus is telling us that forgiveness is an action that is followed by feelings, not a feeling that's followed by action. We don't wait till we feel it. We do it because he told us to. So, so instead, when you're with that person, how do you treat that person when you're with them? You're as nice to them as you could possibly be. You don't let that person walk all, all over you and do the same things again. You don't make it easier for that person to sin. That's not forgiveness either. So you would stand your ground, and you would, but you're going to be nice and loving and cordial. You, you talk to others. When you talk to others about that person, if you have to talk to others about that person, you talk to the others about that person about the good things they've done, not the bad things they've done, and not the bad things they've, they've done to you. I knew this would be quiet in this part. I'm preaching this sermon. I don't even like it. <laughs> you pray for that person. That's what Jesus said. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. If you're going to forgive, where'd it go? There it is. Lost it. Did some crazy jumping thing. If you're going to forgive, you have to have humility. If you don't have humility, it's very hard to forgive. You just have to let it go for now. Let it go for now. Why? Because he let it go for you. For now. He let it be so. Father, forgive them. They know what they're doing. And he forgave us. 
In Luke chapter 17, verse 5, forgiveness is an obedience. The apostles said to the Lord, so he said, you know, uh, <laughs> up to seven times, forgive them. And the apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. This is a loophole question. This is a loophole statement. We like this. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, mustard seed's tiny, right? You would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, this is interesting because these guys had been sent out by Jesus, and they had seen the death where they could, the deaf could hear, the blind could see, the lame could walk. They had seen tremendous things that the Lord could do, tremendous, incredible things through them. So when the Lord tells them, hey, listen, if your brother sins against you up to seven times, forgive him, rebuke him, and forgive him. And they say, whoo, man, this is hard. Increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you'd say this mulberry tree be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey him. Which of you, having a slave plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he's come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself, clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you may eat and drink? He, he does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So, you too, when you've done all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. So what's Jesus saying here? He's, you know, they're saying, this is, this is really hard. Lord, increase our faith. Jesus says, it's not a faith issue. It's an obedience issue. This doesn't take faith. This takes you doing it. It's just a, he said, just a tiny amount of faith can uproot a tree. He said, this isn't faith. This is, this is you taking action. This is you doing what I've told you to do because I'm your Lord and Savior. He says, I'm the master, and you're the servant. You need to do it because I've told you to. And when you've done it, don't pat yourself on the back because you've done it. It's hard to be a slave, putting the master first, as this text says, and you're always putting yourself second. It's difficult. Jesus is basically saying forgiveness is hard, and he understands the cost of it. But do it anyway. Put the master first, put yourself second. Put forgiveness first, put yourself second. Colossians 3.12. So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whomever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So how did the Lord forgive us? Well, before we knew we needed it, before we asked for it, while we were still sinners, he died for us. So, okay, and so you're going to throw, okay, what about people who are continually abusive? So you've rebuked them and they keep sinning. 
and they continue to be destructive, what do you do about that? How do you deal with people that have continued to bring trouble into your life? Because he does say rebuke and forgive. There is a rebuke component here. So there, you, you are being truthful and straightforward. It'd be kind of like if you had a parent who was abusive. So let's say you call that parent uh, to talk to them. It's your father. And while you're talking to him, he starts cussing you out and telling you you're, wor- you're, you're worthless, you're no good. And he's done it your whole life. And you might say, you might say, Dad, Dad, I love you. I love you. But if, when you start talking like this, I want you to know I'm going to hang up every time. I love you, but I'm not putting up with this. You can't talk to me this way. You can't talk to mom this way. You can't talk to the kids this way. Would you, you draw the line, but, but you don't say, I love you. I hate you. I never want to talk to you again. No, you keep loving them. It's hard. That's, now, that's where it's hard. It's, all, it's easy to tell people off. The hard part is to keep loving them, to create a boundary and saying, I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to damage my family. I'm not going to let you say this, but I'm going to keep calling you to tell you that I love you. But just remember, if you start talking this way, I'm going to hang up every time. Now, will they ever change? It depends on the goodness and grace of God in their life and whether they accept it. But there are destructive people out there in the real world. There are narcissists who are oblivious to the web of lies that they tell all the time that, that destroy the people around them. You can nev- they can never receive correction. They're never wrong. There are people like that. How do you deal with abusive people? If you're, if you're being physically abused, I'm not telling you that forgiveness means that you let that person continue to abuse you. You understand that? You don't. You don't let people abuse you and walk over you. You rebuke. You separate from them. If, if you're in an abusive relationship, you need to get out of that relationship. You need to separate in that, from that relationship. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you continue to put yourself in a situation where you will be abused. So, so I, here's the reality. So if you have somebody that's abusing you and you separate from them and then you create another life, you still have to forgive them for the past. That's the hard part. So you, that doesn't mean you let it happen, but you're not going to live in that for unforgiveness the rest of your life. If you do, it's damaging and destructive to you. You have to forgive what they've done in the past even if they don't stop doing it. Does that make sense? That's why Jesus is saying, how many times a day? We, can, we can't judge motivation. We can only judge action. So we have to assume if someone says, I'm sorry, but that doesn't mean we let them continue to abuse us. Some of you have parents who abuse you physically or verbally, and they continue to disvalue you. You don't put up with it. You don't put up with it, but you forgive them. That's why the disciples said, ooh, this is hard. I call the faith lupo. I don't, have, I don't have enough faith for it. I don't have enough faith to do this. And Jesus said, well, do it anyway. <laughs> oh, Lord, increase my faith. He said, how about we increase your obedience? Right? Some of you have been through very difficult divorces. 
and the spouse has remained combative and problematic. And they're, they're maybe still battling over kids and custody and child support and all the, I mean, there's just so many good things to fight about, right? So what do you deal with that? You, <laughs> so they enjoyed that. Uh, you put up with it. You, <laughs> you don't put up with it, but you do forgive them. Here's, what, here's how Paul responded to this. He said in First Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on your guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. So what Paul is telling us here, that trust and forgiveness are not the same thing. I don't have to, he said, he said listen, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where Alexander can hurt me again but I'm going to turn, turn him over to the Lord because I don't have the mental energy to waste on him. Do you get that? I'm going to turn it over to God. I'm not going to trust him. I'm not going to put myself in a situation for Alexander the coppersmith, and you shouldn't either. Don't put yourself in that kind of situation, but <laughs> I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to turn it over to God. Romans 12, 18, 19. Closing with this. If possible, so far as depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Forgiveness is something we do. Revenge and punishment is something that God does. A lot of times we don't want to forgive because we think we forgive them, they're not going to get what's coming. We've let them off the hook. No. When you forgive someone, you never let them off the hook. You just put them on God's hook. You trust them to God. And you're doing it because God wants you to be healthy. He doesn't want your life to be burdened by hurts and pains. If you let it, you will, at the end of your life, be so handicapped because life is full of hurts and betrayals and failures and you will be burdened by every one of them. And, and the Lord wants you to be free. We talk, talked about being free today. We sang about being free. We're free in Christ. And he does that. Forgiveness is an aim. It's an action. And it's a fruit of the Spirit to bring peace into our lives. God wants you to have peace in your life through what? Through forgiveness. Amen. Okay? He's like, boy, I'm glad that's over with. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came? Okay, let's stand and, and pray about this. It's so important. It's so important that we be people of forgiveness. I wish I could tell you that I've done this perfectly, but I have not. I have failed in this so many times. But I don't want to be burdened by the hurts of the past. I don't want to be handicapped by betrayals and things that people have said and done. I want to be free. Anybody here want to be free? Amen. Father, we want to be free. And you gave us, you gave us a recipe. You gave us a way to be free. You said if we would rebuke and forgive. Sometimes I just want to rebuke. But I don't want to forgive. And sometimes I just want to forgive and I want to have to deal with it. I don't want to rebuke. Lord, help me have the balance that you want us to have. Help me assume the debt. Trust you with it. 
vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Lord, I just want to release it to you. I want to be able to let it go. Lord, if there's unforgiveness in our hearts, help us see it. Help us deal with it. Help us do it even if we don't feel it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I love you. Have a great week.